Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the NFL Scotland podcast, a significant milestone for us as we reach what is the current projected retirement age of Tom Brady. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Today we kick off our 2019 divisional previews. We start with the North. We'll hear exactly how each of the eight teams across the AFC and NFC North can win their respective divisions. Then we'll put our necks on the line and share how we think things will actually pan out. And to do this, we're joined by NFL Scotland regular and Green Bay Packer fan from Sky Sports News. Welcome back, Charles Patterson. Good to be here. It's been a long summer, but we're ready to go. Absolutely. And to add a fourth voice and an opinion to the mix, we're also delighted to be joined by Tim Monk of the Full 10 Yards podcast. Evening, Tim. Good evening, folks. How are we? Good, good. Thanks for joining us here. So... The structure for this this year, guys, the four of us have got together. We're talking about the teams in the north. Each person is going to be given a maximum of three minutes. Don't worry, we've arranged this before. This isn't just being put on them here. Everyone's got a maximum of three minutes where they're going to tell us why the team that they've been given is going to win the division. We're going to kick all this off with the AFC North. And Tim, as our first guest on this first time appearance on the NFL Scotland podcast well second time first time <laughs> on representing the the full 10 yards podcast but we're going to kick off with you and your AFC North team so your three minutes starts now okay yeah so I have the Baltimore Ravens it's, it's not too much of a hard sell is it really because they they did it last season finished 10 and 6 uh, and I've got a concept for you fellas it, the Baltimore Ravens are like a soggy box of fireworks the fuse has been lit and it's either going to fizzle out and be a massive disappointment or it's going to be what I think it is. Uh, the sky's the limit and they're going to put on a show. Uh, last year, they found the Catherine Wheel in Lamar Jackson, which uh, boomed for them. Um, I couldn't really call him a rocket because he doesn't have that big arm, but who knows. Uh, but with all change on both sides of the ball, uh, what does the rest of that soggy box of fireworks do? It, of course, it all centres around Lamar Jackson, last pick in the, in the first round last year. Came in week 11, Joe, Joe Flacco down injured, uh, went six and one uh, with the loss coming in overtime against Kansas. So, you know, he, he's got the, uh, he's got the cajones. He, he, he can do it. It's six and six and one's not to, to, too shabby whatsoever, but you, you know, a sign of a good team when opposing defenses know what they're going to do, but you still can't stop it. Had over 2000 yards rushing after the bye week in, in those seven weeks of Lamar Jackson, um, you know, five, five games of over uh, 200 yards, as well with the other one being 194. So, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are going to say, we are going to run the ball, stop us. Because uh, the, the most passes he completed in a game last season was 14. But, uh, you know, to be fair to him, no one did until uh, the Chargers did in the postseason. But now that Lamar Jackson has a proper offseason as the QB1, they won't just have a plan A anymore. They'll have a plan B, C and D. Uh, have loads of different looks and schemes in the run game. Added to that, the weaponry of Mark Ingram, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who I'm very excited to, to watch this year, Miles Boykin, uh, as well um there's just a lot of weapons there in the, the offense uh, another reason they'll, they'll make a step forward is obviously you know Lamar Jackson's got to be he's, he's got to be good with his health he's, he can't keep taking the hits uh, so I think the the step forward he'll take this season with his arm will we'll help keep defenses honest uh, and obviously keep those boxes not as loaded as perhaps they could be uh, notoriously hard defense have lost a few pieces but they've picked up Earl Thomas uh, who has the grit in his teeth from last season of how it ended in Seattle. Um, and I think I think it's just going to be a heavy dosage of run uh, run and keeping that defence fresh. Did it last season, like I say, when Lamar went with 6-1. and one. So, um, you know, they'll be back this season with a few more tricks in their soggy fireworks box, and it's going to light up the sky. Boom. Done. Two minutes, 10 seconds. 
And obviously this doesn't really work on podcast, but when you can't see, Charles and Paul in front of me, as soon as you kicked off their Tim, immediately went to their phones, started typing frantically looking for statistics and information. I was, I was just checking to see he was going to be within the time limit. You weren't going to give him extra time. Brilliant. No. I have to say we didn't trust your timer to work. Oh, did, is that what it is? Well, based on how the evening's gone so far, that's probably a good idea. Right. So um, next up, we've got Charles. Your time starts now well pittsburgh steelers is my team the one of the great franchises of the nfl and i'm going to be i'm going to play a bit dirty here because that's the way that pittsburgh defenses have have acted over the years to get all those super bowl titles great nfl championship teams are built around their defense and this is the year that this pittsburgh defense returns to the kind of form that it should have been the great teams of the 70s the teams of of the noughties the one that they got to two super bowls with uh, big ben and won them both he, he was just carrying those teams um, from an offensive point of view. It was all about the defence. And the defence hasn't been good in Pittsburgh in recent years. And I think that they're, they're underrated. They're going under the radar. And they've improved in the offseason. And they've got a lot of potential. They, they traded up for Devin Bush. Talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is going to get smashed by Devin Bush at some point. And there's no doubt about it that there's there's some key cornerstones in there that are going to really do a good job for Pittsburgh. It's not about the big names. It's about the sum of the parts. You've got a lockdown corner, yeah, and Joe Hayden. He's a great player. And you've got guys up front like Javon Hargrave and Cameron Hayward who, you know, are good pass rushers. So... When when you look at Baker Mayfield in this in this division, he's going to get knocked over by these guys at some point. So th- they're a starry bunch. The Browns they're going to be in trouble when they go up against Pittsburgh. The other thing is the schedule in terms of the defense. It gives them a chance to really settle into the season. Forget that first game in New England. Ignore that. Four of the next five games are at home. I reckon Pittsburgh can get on a bit of a roll. They can get off to a good start and then they can control the division. So if they're going to get to the the Super Bowl, if they're going to get into the playoffs, it's all about the defence stepping up and playing better than they have done in recent years. That's got to be Mike Tomlin's big focus in this uh, offseason for me because remember two years ago against Jacksonville in the playoffs they were awful in the defense in the defense if they can improve that and I've got a, good, a lot of faith that a lot of guys who are younger guys coming through that they'll do that and as for Big Ben he's lost the two biggest distractions in the whole of in the whole franchise Le'Veon Bell's gone he wasn't that good anyway they've got James Connor. Antonio Brown's gone Mr. Big Chest is away don't need to worry about him they've got Juju Smith-Schuster I think no distractions, no big egos. Pittsburgh are going to be able to fly under the radar, as I said. They're, they're, you know, they, they've got enough there. It's just about getting rid of all the, the off-field distractions, getting rid of the egos, and going back to what they know is good defence. And I think that they're going to be certainly winning the division. I think they're going to be going deep into the playoffs. Bold, bold predictions there. Describing Bell and Brown as the two biggest distractions in the NFL. <laughs> That's a bold, unique. Bold move. It's unique, if nothing else. Right, Paul, we're not going to stop. You've got the easy one. You get the Browns. On you go. Yeah, I've got to apologise to both Tim and Charles. Talking nonsense, obviously. <laughs> because the Browns are going to win it. Let me tell you why the Browns are going to win the NFC North. They won more games last season than they did in the previous three seasons. So obviously that means they're going to win the division. Just let's have a look at the stats. Let's actually cool them down a moment. They've had double-digit losses eight of the last ten seasons. The other two seasons were eight and nine losses, respectively. The last winning season, 2007. The last divisional title, 1989. 
the AFC Central. And I was going to name all the teams who have qualified for the playoffs since the Browns were last in the playoffs, but I'm not prepared to sit here and name all other 31 NFL teams. <laughs> 2002 is the last time the Browns have gone. Let me quote you some of these. Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn, Colt McCoy twice, Brandon Wheaton, Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCowan, Cody Kessler, Deshaun Kaiser, before finally you get to Baker Mayfield. That's been their quarterbacks for the last 10 years. Does anybody remember Bruce Gradkowski, who started one game in 2008? Unbelievable. Johnny Manziel started a total of eight games. They have had false dawns before. However, they've got savvy. They've got lines on both sides of the ball that are stashed full of top-class players. They've added Greedy Williams at cornerback from LSU, who we saw last year. Terrific player. Great little pickup of Sione Takati at linebacker as well. So they had a really good draft, and I've been very impressed. However... They're starting to show a few signs already of when the pressure's on. Bob Wiley, who was the star of last year's Hard Knocks, wasn't rehired by the Browns. He ripped Freddie Kitchens in a radio interview at the weekend. Freddie Kitchens came right back. And the reason I was telling you about this is this tells you what they're going to be like. Freddie Kitchens could have taken this, batted it away and said, look, that's a distraction. It's got nothing to do with how we're going to win games this season, etc., etc., etc. He took it head on and he basically gave great lines to the press. He was an absolute joy, basically saying, you know, it's the players, it's the players, it's the players. They turned it around. I've not even mentioned Odell Beckham Jr., um, they have got talent, both sides of the ball. They're stacked. They've got a coaching staff um, that is ready to go. They are a prime box of fireworks ready to go off. And that also could be their problem uh, because <laughs> they could they could all go off at once. Was it the Shetland Isles who did that a couple of years ago at New Year? They had, a, they had a fireworks display that lasted 12 seconds. So it could be. And a final thing, the thing that might count against them is Baker Mayfield now has a moustache. That's got to go. Nobody wins with a moustache. Oh, with five seconds to spare, a bold prediction there as well. Nobody wins with a moustache. You know the good quarterbacks that have won with a moustache. They haven't do. Peyton Manning hasn't done it. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, John Elway, Troy Aikman. None of them had had a moustache. It's a valid point. Right, okay. Now, we've got past the nonsense. On to the big guns. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. And gentlemen, wait till you finish with this. You're going to have, I'm going to have you all on board. I'm settling back the with the bacon roll in a couple so, of Ready, Time steady, go. starts now. So, of course, after 16 seasons, the Bengals have replaced Marvin Lewis with Zach Taylor. 36-year-old, he's younger than all of us bar Tim. Tim's three years younger than him. <laughs> and look how much Tim knows about football. Zach Taylor knows a lot about football. <laughs> Zach Taylor helped coach Jared Goff to a 64.9% completion, 4,688 and 32 touchdown season with a quarterback rating of 101.1. If he gets the same performance from Dalton, that's over 2,000 more yards this season, 11 more touchdowns and a QB rating of improvement of 11.5. Dalton can't do it. Well, he previously has. He's had a season with 4,300 yards. He's had a season with 33 touchdowns and he's had a season with a quarterback rating of 106.3. Do not doubt Andy Dalton. Now, look at the stars. Mixon and Bernard, undervalued running back duo. What a threat. The top runner in the AFC, full stop, Joe Mixon. 1,168 yards season with eight touchdowns, um, one receiving touchdown as well. And Bernard chipped in with a few himself. You know what? They're not all bad. Fine. Connor and Samuel's got a little bit more, but they had all those... 
distractions that were taking away the defenders. Who was being the distraction in Cincinnati? Nobody. Big Joe was powering through and he did it in style. Now, there's no AJ Green for a couple of games. But we've been here before. Tyler Boyd, over a 1,000 yards last season. John Ross, seven touchdowns off 21 receptions. Every third time John Ross catches the ball, it's a touchdown. Boom, that is hot, hot, hot. Uh, AJ Green missed seven <laughs> games last year, but he's expected to be back, uh, back after week two or three, and he's not going to have any fatigue from preseason at all. He's going to be absolutely lightning. Tyler Eifert's going to be back, and we know the six foot six, 255 pound machine that he can be. Red zone threats, left, right, and center. Dalton and the Bengals are going to be on offensive fire. So that's great. That's done and dusty. There's no disagreement there. What about the defense? Well, they're damn good as well. So there are a few gaps at linebacker, right? But they've still got Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and Sam Hubbard. This is a solid pass run D-line. Carl Lawson is back. If he can build on his rookie season where he had 8.5 sacks, Please note, Darius Leonard, utterly amazing, had seven. So we already know that Lawson had a better season. He could be huge. William Jackson is a great cornerback in 2017. Finally went down a little bit last year. But in 2017, Antonio Brown, zero catches against him in two games. There's not many cornerbacks can say that. Rookie Jesse Bates as well is ranked as the 12th best safety in the league. Of all players, he was a rookie. PFF had the Bengals secondary ranked as the seventh best in the league last season. They're ranked going 13 at the start of this, but they've not really lost anything. Then the most important bit, schedule. Hard, hard opener at Seattle, but stop Wilson on the run and you've won. Week two, 49ers. Jimmy will take a few weeks to get going. Week three, Bills away, easy. Steelers away, they just need to win there. Then it's beat the Cardinals and they're 5-0. and oh. Can you believe that? <laughs> Home game against the disappointing Jags. I'm running out of time. Then it's the Raiders, the Jets, the Dolphins. They don't play the oh, yeah, Patriots stop. until week stop. 15. It's 16-0, and 0, boys. The Bengals are winning the division. You know what you reminded oh. me of? Now, you must have seen any given Sunday with oh. Al Pacino. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two things you reminded me of. One was Al Pacino, because believe I'll me, that. I, I, I was ready to run through that wall for you. <laughs> The other thing is, if, if anybody's going down to London for any of the international games, check out Cameron down Camden Market on the Saturday morning. It's not just five I want for you, ladies. It's not just ten. I'm going to give you fifteen. This all this for fifteen. You should be in the Oxford Union debate, <laughs> put, uh, arguing against something you feel completely opposite. Honestly, that was, I was magnificent. Say, I was going to spent... say that. Talk about manipulating the numbers. That was right out of the Brexit manual. That one. <laughs> I did. I, I have to say, when you started talking about John Ross's touchdown ratio, uh, I did think that the, absolutely. I did think that the, the credibility was about to fly out the window there, considering he hasn't been on the field. So anyway, good effort. I spent a considerable amount of my lunch hours putting that together, and I was damn determined I was getting to the end of it. There was a couple of comments as well about the um, the Browns being blown up by their ego as well, getting them to the sixteen and zero. But right, guys, we've gone through it. Reality now. And again, Tim, we kicked off with you, so we'll kick off with you. How do you actually see the AFC North panning out this season? Well, it's, it's an interesting one. I think of, of the, the division as a whole is, has lots of question marks, doesn't it? Um, obviously, with the Pittsburgh and who they've lost or maybe who they haven't lost, I suppose. But Baltimore, I think, it, it, I say, Lamar Jackson will have to, if, if he doesn't step forward as a, as a passer whatsoever, then they're, they're not going to be able to, to win the division just purely because they're just going to get stacked boxes and... and um, just going to be able to pierce through that line and the defense maybe isn't what uh, it was last year or the years before but uh, they, they've certainly got the pieces they know how to win and saying that Lamar Jackson would be certainly have his confidence boosted from the his record from last season as well but yeah I, th I think as long as John Harbour's uh, clever they're, they're at least uh, a wild card a wild card team I don't think that there's a team in there that's really yeah, there's no there's not a predictable team in there 
when you no. look at it. And I, I sat here last year and said Pittsburgh were going to be distracted by all the stuff going on off the, the field, and that proved to be the case. And we all said that Cleveland would be better than people thought they would, and they were. And we all thought that Baltimore might have a chance to get into the playoffs, and they did. But And then we all thought that Cincinnati would be awful, and they were. But I don't think you can sit here and say with any given assurance that anything's going to happen, which we predict here, because I think it's a totally unpredictable division mm. as well. I would agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a clear winner. You wouldn't put your mortgage on any of it. The problem, and, and that's why I outlined some of the problems that the Browns have got is, you know, it's a new head coach. You know, it's a new group of players. The egos are there. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. could cause problems. They, they are, it's boomer bust for quite a few of these teams. You talked about mm. Pittsburgh having to, to get back in dirty on defense. Well, all they've got to do is have a look at their baseball team, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are the dirtiest team <laughs> in baseball. Yes. Uh, Clint Hurdle, who's their manager, got thrown out a game recently. Um, and th- th- they're headhunting in certain ways. So there, there is that sort of mentality that, you know, if you could take that into the footballing side of Pittsburgh, they, they are going to be dangerous. Uh, Big Ben, you could argue he has lost two of his biggest weapons, but it is that next man up mentality. And you get the feeling that Ben actually likes being the main man once more. I don't know how many times he's threatened to retire during the offseason. Well, he signed a two-year extension. So he clearly feels that there's something in the next couple of years that is going to be worthwhile being around for. And I think that, I, I, you know, I was a little bit in jest earlier on, the, the distraction element in a changing room, in any sport, affects how things happen on the pitch. That is just a fact of life. And you can have all the talent in the world, but look at, look at, all, look, look at what Cleveland have got at their disposal. So much talent, so many egos. How do you mesh that into a successful season? It might work. But history suggests that teams that are the greater sum of their parts are the ones that are successful. Look at New England. Year after year after year, there's no superstar, and yet they, they, they produce the goods. And actually, I think, as you said, Roethlisberger likes being the centre of attention. And when when they, you know, the year that they beat Arizona to win the Super Bowl, he was the main man that year. He, he guided them that year. And of course, Antonio Holmes was pretty good that year as well in terms of it as an offensive weapon. But he was the main man. And you've got you've got a running back sitting on the on the sideline. You've got Antonio Brown bumping his gums about this, that, and the other. That's not got to be good for locker room morale. So I think with all that gone, that that gives Pittsburgh a chance. But I don't know if they've got enough talent. And that's I think Baltimore have got more talent, and so do Cleveland. So that surely they start as favourites. I think this is a division where I always feel. Over the years, every team is more than capable of beating each other. And quite often, you'll see records of one and one, one and one, one and one. Um, it's not been a division that's traditionally seen someone go and do a 14-2 or anything like that. Um, it is competitive. And for me, I think the the factor that comes into play here will be coaching and experience with the Browns. Obviously, Freddie Kitchen's coming into it against two very experienced head coaches at the Ravens and the Steelers. And it's when those games are coming down to the wire, does he have that ability to step up, much like we saw with Sean McVay and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Ultimately, the Rams were on they were the hot streak all the way through. Take aside, I can see Paul's bubbling over already here. Take aside the fact that they shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl at all. But, um, you know, <laughs> let's cut that out. Um, you know, ultimately, Sean McVay got outcoached 
on at the Super Bowl. And it goes so far in this game. It is the game of chess. Your strategy is wrong. It doesn't really matter what you put out there. It's not going to beat the team on the other side if they've got their strategy right. So uh, I think that's fascinating uh, to watch that. You mentioned the two experienced coaches in the in the division in Harbaugh and Tomlin. They're both survivors. They've been around a long time. I don't know what Tim thinks about this, but are they all in the hot seat this year, those two? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually a bit surprised that Tomlin hasn't gone because, you know, Pittsburgh are notorious in, in throwing a stinker away from home. Look, look against the game Oakland last year. I think they free won against the Bears the year before as well. Um, so yeah, Pittsburgh have a history of playing down to, to bad teams away from home. And I, I was kind of surprised there wasn't a bit more talk about Mike Tomlin on, on the hot seat. But obviously the Rooneys love him and yeah, he's kind of been a, a mainstay there for, for God knows how long over in Pittsburgh. So I, I think I think this would be a telling season for him. And say if they, if they don't make the playoffs this season, I, I do think he'll go. Right. So neck on the line time. So, mm. who is winning the AFC North? In one word, Tim. Uh, Ravens. And I'm going Cleveland as well. Mm. So there you go. Steelers can I, can I just can I just say one one thing before we we move on? Just about about the brands. Uh, we I think we'll know early on whether or not they they'll have the credentials to to win the division because I think the first couple of games or three out of the first five or two out of the first three are on TV. So uh, obviously the, the the TV and the national spotlight is going to be on them. So I think we'll know from that um, at, at that point whether the the pressure will get to them or whether or not they you kind of embrace it and and take the, the take it by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I mean I can tell you because I've got the schedule right here. You'll see them on. ESPN on week two, uh, yeah. NBC and week three. They're then scheduled yeah. again on ESPN week five. And then they've yeah. got the two later shifts on CBS in weeks eight and nine. So they, yeah. they are they are a high-profile team. Of course, remember, teams can get flexed out. There, there's another Sunday night game, uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland, uh, which can get flexed as yeah. well. In fact, no, it's a Thursday night game. That will stay as it is. So there's others that can get flexed in and out there. As well, because you certainly you look at they play each other twice in three weeks. Yeah, well that's it. Yeah, and and it's interesting that could be the crux of the season for both teams actually. Right yeah, there, yeah, right there. That that I think is going to be really quite important. Just a little moan about something. This drives me nuts that the NFL cannot get the teams home and away, home and away, home and away. This four out of five at home nonsense is ridiculous. Baseball's got thirty teams with 162 games, they can work out schedules. Um, I'd like to see the NFL trying to go more home away, home away. I think it's fairer. Pittsburgh's five of their last seven are away away from Heinz Field. Yeah, see, so I, they have to get their wins in the bag early doors. And if they don't, forget it. You can't see them winning four or five on the road in the last two months of the season. See, it is, I totally agree with you. It's, it's strange how they can't get it sorted out. Okay, so on to NFC then, um, and we're going to do the exact same thing, but this time we're going to flip the order that we're making our pitches in. That means I start. I'm going to have to get my timer here. I don't know where I've put it, although I'm sure you guys over there are going to keep me absolutely honest we're on this We're going to take one. you down to two minutes. We're not <laughs> going to give you five. We're not going to give you five and a half. We're not going to give four. We're going to give you three. Three minutes. Three minutes for Cameron. That last one was less than three. Right, here we go. So the 2019 NFC winners will be the Chicago Bears. Now, of course, I've got the easy one here. Last season, points for 421, ninth out of 32, points against 283, first overall. Now, we'll come to the defence. Let's look at attack. Alan Robinson, second season in the new scheme under the new coach, under Matt Nagy. He got 754 yards and four touchdowns. Okay, not necessarily brilliant, but he was only just back after injury himself. He's only going to get better. 
Anthony Miller, though, seven touchdowns from 33 receptions. Fine, he's not John Ross's touchdown reception rate, but it's still pretty <laughs> hot. And Trey Burton, 569 yards, six touchdowns. He's a threat. He's a tight end in Chicago, something that they have lacked for a very long time. We already know that Tariq Cohen is a Tyreek Hill type of player who can do a little bit of it all. David Montgomery is a fascinating one. He was compared to Kareem Hunt by the NFL.com before he was drafted. There seems to be a lot of hype. I know we get that all the time, but there really genuinely seems to be a lot of hype about David Montgomery. Now, Trubisky, so he played two extra games last year versus year one, and he got over a 1,000 extra yards. He got 17 more touchdowns, five more interceptions, fine, but he went from a one-to-one ratio in year one, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, to a two-to-one ratio in year two. His quarterback rating went from 77.5 to 95.4. If he continues that level of improvement this season, and he plays all 16 games, he's going to get over 4,300 yards, 44 touchdowns, and only 11 interceptions. If only only it worked like that. The O-line as well was ranked 11th last year. They've moved a couple of people around. Cody uh, Whitehair's moved uh, to left guard. James Daniels has moved into centre. Uh, you obviously think, why are you moving them about? But that puts both these players into their natural position. So that's only going to make them better. Now, defence. Khalil Mack, need I say any more? 12.5 sacks, 47 combined tackles. That's actually lower and way lower than anything he did for the Raiders. But then, to be fair, the Raiders' defence was on the field a lot. So, you know, he had 18 quarterback hits, he had one pick six. But perhaps most important is that he's the number one threat. So he allowed things like Raquane Smith in his rookie year to have 121 combined tackles, including five sacks. Danny Trevathan, 102 combined tackles. And it allows Akeem Hicks to go through there. Highest average rating in his seventh year in the NFL season. Seven and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, 55 combined tackles, 12 tackles for a loss. I bet the New Orleans Saints wish they had that Akeem Hicks when he was playing for them. But rest of the defense, this is where it comes into its own as well. Best secondary of 2018, Eddie Jackson, Cal Fuller, Adrian Amos, Prince of Mukamara, Bryce Callahan, and Sherrick McManus. All of them earned grades above 80. Fine, they've lost Amos, but they've got Haha Clinton Dix, 79.3 last year. He ain't bad either. The Chicago Bears will win the NFC North. Thank you very much. I think there was about 247. Somewhere along there, there, anyway. Paul. The Vikings have won the division four times in the last 10 years. They've also finished in the bottom three times in the same time span. Four losing records the last 10 years. However, in his five years as coach, Mike Zimmer has two division titles, only one losing record, and even that was a 7-9 and in his first year in charge. This year, it will be the fifth title in 11 years. They will improve on last year's 8-7-1. and The start is a, is a very interesting one. You look at all of the teams. They've got Atlanta at home, Green Bay away, Oakland at home, and then Chicago and the Giants away. Going to Lambeau is the hardest out of those five. They could be four and one. They do have to go to Kansas and Dallas later. When it comes to the Vikings, you actually look at them for your fantasy football because they're full of goodies. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, because when he's healthy, he's great. Dalvin Cook. Kyle Rudolph has been valuable as well. They've got uh, tight end, Irv Smith Jr., and a Kirk Cousins, well, they have a franchise quarterback. He actually gets paid more money than Tom Brady, even after Tom Brady's new contract. What was interesting last year was how the Vikings used their offence. They fired offensive coordinator John DeFilippo with three weeks left in 2018, and they tried to go to a more run-heavy approach after Kevin Stefanski came up. Now, if you look at the stats against not very good teams, their run success did go up. Now, they've also brought in... Gary Kubiak, they're going to be changing the way that they block 
they're going to go from man block to zone block. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes in. But I still think Dalvin Cook is one of their keys. Alexander Matheson's a three-down back as well out of Boise. If Dalvin Cook can't stay on the field, he's certainly there as well. Now, they've got to do several things. One, they've got to run the ball better, but they've also got to help their special teams because that's been a real problem. Now, they've lost Mike Fiverr. He's gone. He's been replaced by Marwan Malouf who was an assistant special teams coach in Miami. Now, Miami have been a dumpster fire for a number of years, but their special teams was usually pretty good. Another area they've got to improve in when they take the title is their kicking. Uh, 32nd in field goal percentage made in the last few years. They missed a lot of extra points as well, so they've got to make a difference with Dan Bailey. But look for their special teams to be much more adventurous, and I think that's going to be the key, especially in division. They will hunt the ball, they will turn the ball over, and expect Kirk Cousins to be an awful lot more controlled, and he'll come through and he'll guide them to success. There you go with room to spare. Charles, the Green Bay Packers. Ah, well, I'm speaking from the heart here as a cheesehead. <laughs> so let's look at this rationally and then irrationally. First of all, rationally, Green Bay have missed the playoffs for the last two years. Everyone up in the north is hurting because, again, I love the fact you've given me two of the greatest franchises in NFL history, one of whom is my team, of course. But there is this God-given right to win, to, to be in the playoffs, to win Super Bowls. And let's be honest, Green Bay should have been to more Super Bowls in the last decade or so than they have. Um, there has been so many near misses. This year, this new leaf, this new era begins. Matt LaFleur is in and we have a new coaching setup, a whole new ethos, a, a new wave. And that, that can only be a good thing because change is as good as a rest sometimes. And it, it's a freshness. I'll get to the quarterback in a minute. But it's all about defence again. Green Bay's defence has been negligible at best, diabolical at worst over the last few years. And now suddenly they've loaded up. They've spent draft pick after draft pick on defenders. Rashan Gary was the, the main man in the first round this year. They've brought in Adrian Amos. They've brought, they've brought in uh, the Smith brothers, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. They've got Kenny Clark. I have to say they were, I was surprised they got rid of Mike Daniels. But it opens up a bit of cash elsewhere, which... They haven't decided what they're going to do. They've got Josh Jackson. They've got Jer Alexander. They could have the two best, potentially by the end of the season, the two best cornerbacks as a duo in the league, I think, because those are two young guys. They're building this defense for year after year of domination. They reckon they've maybe got five or six years with that quarterback still in a window where he can perform. So they're giving him a defense. They're going to take some of the heat off him and... If Green Bay are gonna are gonna do something, it's because the defense is gonna step up. It's gonna take out Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not really a franchise quarterback, in my view. He is there to be got at. Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback in the league, in in the division, apart from the Green Bay quarterback. And you you know, let's be honest, the Chicago Bears. I'm not I'm not convinced by Trubisky. So I think that that defense is gonna be after these guys, and that will keep other teams off the field. That will give Aaron Rodgers a bit more time, and. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback in the league, in my view. He's the most talented quarterback in the league, but he's been under par for the last couple of years. And he's not been a happy man. I don't think he's been content with who he's been working with. He now gets to work with a new coach. 
Is this the new coach's team? Is this Aaron Rodgers' team? That's the big question. If Aaron Rodgers plays ball, parks his ego at the door, which, let's be honest, all great players need to do, then I feel it's going to be good. And he's got two great weapons. He's got Aaron Jones, five and a half um, yards per rush in two seasons. Underused. If they can use him and absolutely utilize him to the max, you know, he won't have to do much. Devontae Evans, Devontae Evans, 1,300 yards last season, best receiver in the league, and I'm now over the three minutes. It's it's all there. It's all there for Green Bay to win the league and get back to the Super Bowl. Well, alone that scene, that's, that was his team. That's an extra six-second rule. If you if you need more than three minutes to put a case forward for Green Bay, you're struggling. <laughs> it was just overtime. That's all it was. Just a little bit of overtime. Right, Tim, you can wrap it up. Okay, so I've got the Detroit Lions, a team that have never won the NFC North and not won a division title in 1993. So you've really put me behind the eight ball with this one, chaps. But uh, all streaks must come to an end. Uh, I'm just thankful it's just three minutes because I'm not sure how much of that three minutes I can use to put a case forward here. But hear me out on this one. Um, Funny enough, we have an article going up on our, on our website tomorrow that some, they, someone's predicted a 9-7 finish. Uh, and on an unrelated topic, we're now looking for a new write-up. But the Lions and the Mad Scientist, <laughs> last season, if you, if you didn't know they finished 6-10, you'd think that they've won, maybe won four or five games. Um, but here's what they've had to put up with. Obviously, new head coach, Matt Patricia, or the Mad Scientist, or the Wicks Warehouse worker, you can choose which one. Uh, it's always hard to get things going in a new system, especially when you go from a, a high-passing team to one that, that wants to run the ball. Matthew Stafford uh, was one of a, a numerous n- number of players that had a lot of injuries. Uh, Matthew Stafford, obviously, bad back, carrying Detroit all of those years. Uh, of course, Marvin Jones as well. Squad, chem- squad chemistry, traded away Golden Tate, uh, arguably one of the most veteran guys there in their receiving core. Uh, obviously, had Connie Golladay coming, uh, coming up as well, but traded for Damon Harrison, on the defensive line there from the Giants. So just having those changing pieces on, on both sides of the ball disrupts the team, uh, and which can be the fine margin between winning and losing. So despite you know all of those things, they still managed to finish 6-10, and 10, so not too far uh, away at all. They do have a brutal schedule to start, including the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Vikings. But they did beat the Packers early on last season, as they did the Patriots as well. So if they come out of that, okay, the schedule does ease up a little bit, so they can make a little bit of run. Patricia will try and implement a Patriots-style team, and that can't be a bad thing considering their success, but also maybe take a page out of the Dallas Cowboys book from a few years back, run the ball, and keep that defense fresh. Daryl Bevel comes over from Seattle. He did wonders last year with that offensive line in the run game over there uh, in uh, with the Seahawks. They've added to the offensive line TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, and Isaac Norther, all really good blocking tight ends, so they're just going to stuff the ball down your throat. Uh, Frank Ragnow as well, moving from guard to centre, will uh, will be an underrated move as well. And seeing as though Patricia now enters his second year with a team, we can expect a step up on offence. They've got the defence, 16th uh, for points against last season. And despite all that adversity last year, finished 6-10. and 10, So it's not actually the greatest of leaps to think they can challenge and win the NFC North. You know what? I'd love to hear Tim tell me that Alfred Morris is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> because I think he could do it. <laughs> Very well done. Yep, brilliant. Right, so that's just completed the round robins. Everyone's had their pitch. Mm. Gents, what do we think is actually going to happen? And this is your division, Charles, Mm. so you can start off. Um, Simple answer. Get the homer out the way. Simple answer in 10 seconds. If if Rodgers stays fit, Green Bay win the division, in my view. But it's not as simple as that because, well, he's old now. Let's be honest, I'm over 35. And I feel old, so he's got to be feeling old. And and I don't get whacked by a, a, a defensive lineman every other week. The 
I think I said last year I thought that this was the the most competitive and probably the best division in the NFL, and I stand by that because I don't think Detroit in any other division would have finished six and ten. I think they would have won more games, and I think Minnesota are in this window where they've mortgaged the the house on a quarterback who's not convinced yet, but they've got all the tools around them that they could make a run at the Super Bowl. Chicago probably could have been in the in the championship game or not for the kicker and Green Bay have got the talent and they've loaded up on defence so you've got three teams right there who again are going to be battling for that division and I think Detroit are a little bit behind them but they've got a defensive minded coach which adds a lot because it does mean theoretically they should be able to keep the score down and keep it tight so I think this is the tightest division um, out there just about and I think it's one of the most talented divisions as well my heart says the Packers have got the talent and they've got the best player in the in the division. They've got the mm. if you've got the it kind of flips you know, it flips my argument on the head about egos and stuff. And it is it is these things matter because the the Browns in the AFC North have got the best talented most talented players. So there's a good reason to to, to suggest that they should win that division. Green Bay have got the best player and they have supported him but they need to utilize him properly how his relationship with Lafleur develops is going to be fascinating what Lafleur does in terms of running the ball they've got to make most of Aaron Jones much better I mean there was times he wasn't getting the ball last season so Green Bay have got all the talent there Green uh, Chicago have got this wonderful nucleus to build on from last year and then you've got Minnesota but I think Minnesota are under pressure because what they've done with Cousins and I wonder whether Minnesota have got the the mentality to be able to to respond to that. So at the moment, I would say that Chicago will probably start, honestly, as probably just favourites in Green Bay. But I think if if pa- if Rogers stays away from Khalil Matt, they'll win the division. That's my view, basically. I think these things are more simplistic than we make them out to be sometimes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Tim. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, the, the Packers season d- all hinges on Matt LaFleur. You know, has he learned from his time in Tennessee where he didn't quite get things right? And obviously it, it was a bit of a surprise for me for that that appointment, especially so quick as well. I don't know what your thoughts are, that uh, Charles, are on that. But yeah, th- again, the relationship between him and Rodgers is going to be key. And uh, I think, again, depending on how LaFleur acts and what he kind of installs into into that team will be um, will kind of hinge on, on who wins the division. I do think, I, I, do, I do agree. I think that the, the Bears will be slight favourites just because Matt Nagy, has already shown himself to be quite the uh, meticulous game planner and to to get the most out of his players where you know the Packers are by far probably the uh, most talented team in in the division but sometimes it's not all about the talents on the team it's the talent between the uh, between the years of the of the head coach yeah I would I would agree that it was a surprise that LaFleur got the job he must have interviewed brilliantly um but he's got he has got a background in in being creative I and mean, he's listen this, this is the new wave now isn't it and it's this argument of you know who's running that team and I think Rodgers is probably in the background we won't the public will not know but there's probably been quite a lot of conversations going on about what's the relationship going to be like and I tell you what if it blows up on on television one one week when things are not going well then it'll be downhill from there but you go back to his 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 track record uh, Rodgers over the years he has a habit of digging his team out of a hole when they've been awful in certain areas and they've grabbed wins. I mean, look at the week one last year against against the Bears. They should never have won that game and it was he single-handedly carried them to it whilst on one leg. But he's got more of a support cast this year. I think the Bears have got the best coaching setup in the division. And but I think I think the I think the Vikings are fascinating because the Vikings if you look at all the players they've got, and Dalvin Cook's huge, I think, for them. He's he's absolutely huge for them because um 
because he was injured, they almost became a bit overly reliant on Kirk Cousins. They, Kirk Cousins should not be throwing Minnesota to a division title, in my view. I don't. I think no, he's I, a good I, quarterback. I, he's not the best though. He's not the top top end. No, I think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's capable of being that. I mean, I'm going with the Vikings because I think they've got a savvy coach in Zimmer who kn- who's been there and done it. They've got Kirk Cousins, very experienced. They've got the weapons at the running game at tight end. They've made the changes I've outlined. I, I think you mentioned it, Charles. They have gambled a fair bit. This has got to be their year, and I think they, they will. I like the Bears. I still think their schedule was quite soft last year. That's the only knock on the Bears last year was it's soft. It's a harder schedule this year. If they come out the gate quickly, then they will be the team to beat. Mm. I'm always concerned about a first-year coach, especially against a sort of 10, 12-year, 10-year quarterback, because if it goes wrong there, there is only one winner. They're not getting rid of Rodgers. Um, so I think this is the Vikings. I think it's their time, but they've got to start well. Yeah, just to wrap things up, I think from my point, for me, the key progression is actually what I talked about. And I think that Mitch Trubisky, if the Bears are going to win it, needs to continue to step up. I think you're right. Zimmer is, this is his sixth season, I think, in the NFL, compared to two years in, year two in Aggie, year two in Patricia, year one of the floor. So he's got the experience of the division. So he knows the intricacies of the teams and the venues and all these sorts of things. He'll know what the crowd will do in certain situations, all that kind of stuff that perhaps these other coaches are not as familiar with. But Nagy showed he had a playbook. You know, he was obviously successful in Kansas City and created that offense. He implemented some of that at the Bears. If he continues to mix that up and, and keep things progressing, and if he can take Mitch Trubisky to another level, then I think they're a real threat. I really do. Um, the Are we writing off the lines here? <laughs> <laughs> but you, your point was, was a fair one. In other divisions, the Lions would be there. Yeah, It's certainly challenging. But And the other point that was made is going to Detroit is not, Notch one up in the wind column. No, it used for, to be, for anybody. not anymore. No. Um, and I think that that's that's what makes this division difficult. What we'll find is in 10 months' time when we're looking back at this, I would bet that the team that wins the division has won in Detroit. Yeah, indeed. Right, so uh, neck on the line, and we'll do it in the order we said, so I'll put myself up first. I'm actually going with the Bears. I think the Bears will edge out the Packers by a single win and win the division. Vikings. Green Bay. I think I'll go Green Bay on a tiebreaker. Oh, smart man. <laughs> Good man. You can come over for a beer anytime. Excellent. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the North sorted. Good. So it was on this day, as we record, back in 1983, the Vikings and the Cardinals met in the first ever NFL game played outside of America. You want to guess the crowd that they got at Wembley for that? Oh. In 83. 83. So there's still some terrace in an 83. Oh, I would say... 72,000. That's a difficult one. No, I would say less than that. I would say about 40-odd. Yeah, 33,000. Oh, really? Yeah, 40-odd. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a surprise. Minnesota prevailed in what was called the Global Cup. Wow. So I bet that's not in the trophy cabinet. Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure, it, <laughs> I'm sure it's polished. Well, actually, to be fair, yeah, probably they've never is. won a Super Bowl. You know, yeah, it probably is in the Super it's probably in the trophy I just, cabinet. I just thought that that was quite interesting. A couple of things have caught my eye. Obviously, 
Just Tom, thinking before you go into that, that's sure. what this Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup will be called next year if uh, the SPFL hear of that. Global Cup, play at Wembley, don't give them ideas. Well, <laughs> can you imagine what, what what American sweet would you want to brand onto the Levin's Lombardi Trophy? Oh, Reese's Pieces. <laughs> it's got to be the Reese's Pieces Vince Lombardi Trophy. There can't be many better than that. Uh, I like that. Now, just lo- looking around news, we, we, t- we talked a little bit about Tom Brady getting his new deal. He's the sixth highest paid quarterback, not even the number one. He doesn't, he doesn't bother about nope. all of that nonsense. So kudos to Tom Brady. As a former New England fan for a day myself, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's signed. Do you know what was interesting about that new deal I read was that he will become a free agent at the end of the, the, the period next season for one second. <laughs> at one one second past the hour when it ticks down because of the complexities of the deal, he becomes a free agent. And that got me thinking, which team might try to make him an offer in that one second? <laughs> the Raiders. Definitely the Raiders. <laughs> Gruden's already all over that one. That'd be a bit like bidding on eBay when you're trying yeah, to bid yeah, on the exactly. last second. Bid, Just bid for Brady on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it shuts in five seconds. <laughs> There must be more. Maybe it's one minute. One minute we give everyone time to make a bid. But oh. I thought that was quite amusing because obviously he's locked up for life. But the fact that it's meant that he would technically be available, you do wonder who would bid for his services. <laughs> well, teams. what you would need to do is you'd need to look at a fan base who are the most tortured and have never had any success. Now, there was an article that came out on Yahoo, the most tortured fans in the NFL. So... Just to give you a little flavour of the top five. The Lions, yeah, fair enough. Yep. The Falcons, who once once blew a Super Bowl lead, <laughs> I believe. The Washington Redskins, yeah, yep. yeah, you get that. Success early 80s, but, you know, they've got the worst owner. They've mm. got a stadium that is vaguely near Washington that's horrible to get to. It's not particularly well liked by the fans. You know, they've just not done very much. The New York Jets, you know, since Namath, you know, lived in the shadow a couple of great seasons. Sanchez, you know, Fitzpatrick, they've had a couple of things. But, and, and I use the word bollocks lightly. <laughs> the New York Giants. Were they number one? Are number one. Why? Well, exactly. Now, this is just typical big city... Jimmy Borthwick make this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this his poll or is this a general poll? I'll, I'll need to ask him when he's next on. But, I mean, what what a complete piece of nonsense. Now, I say you could argue, I mean, it's six was the Bengals, seven, the 49ers. Again, you're talking they've not had success for a long time. Minnesota, eight. You know, Green Bay, a bit naff at nine, to be honest. But... I mean, it's a complete nonsense. But which was which was the least tortured fan base? I I, I didn't. I, I don't go that. Be the Patriots. Far down. <laughs> we would be the Patriots. Um, but you look at it. You, you know, I say you could argue the Vikings, 49ers, Bengals, Lions, Falcons, Redskins, Jets, and then you spoil what must be a fairly where are decent the Browns piece in there? of work. Well, exactly. And that's the yeah, other question. Surely, surely the Browns have got to be top couple. Fine. It, Browns and the Lions, mental. surely. Yeah, the Lions make sense, but the Browns haven't done anything yet. There's no way that they're not in that. I guess the guess these polls are entirely subjective and come down to expectation level, of course. Um, And if the expectation level of um, the New York Giants fans is that they win the Super Bowl every year, well, then they're just not being realistic enough. Well, exactly. And as I say, I think it undercuts the work of both the writer and whoever the editor was. Because if somebody had come to me with that, it would have been, there you go. Sounds like East Coast media mischief. Yeah, East East Coast media (laughs) bias. That's what it comes down to. We're going to use that word, bias. We're going to use something else. But no, no. 
yeah, let, let's not go there. A couple of other things that have caught the eye. Uh, Game Pass has been relaunched. Um, the the NFL Fantasy app has been relaunched. Looks really good as well. Be interesting to get people's thoughts. But, and it's interesting because, as you know, I'm a big fan of the NFL on the radio, which is harder and harder and harder to find streams of. And I've no problem with that because the NFL are trying to protect their brand. No problem with that. However, it's been taken off Game Pass. And why has it been taken off Game Pass? Well, because they're looking to bring a new and exciting and more different various options for the customer. Which roughly translates again as nonsense because they've sold the rights to TuneIn Radio. And TuneIn Radio don't want it on Game Pass. Mm. Now, this is naughty. Really naughty. You're paying a fortune for for this. It's about 150 quid, something like that. 143 this year, I think. Um you know, stick the radio audio in there as well. I think that's really quite naughty. So, you know, I love the NFL, love all the good things they do, but I really seriously do not buy. And there's a couple of other things they've mentioned that people can't do that they did previously. Now, to me, that's always you're taking away without, we hope in the future to be able to offer you. It, it doesn't work for me. So uh, that goes down as a little bit naff for me. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, don't know if you've been following us on Twitter. If you don't, please start doing so at Scotland NFL. But we had a great tweet which was sent out last night by at Fitball Tweets. And the wonderful person behind that account is very popular. Obviously, if, you, if you're not familiar with, uh, with it, uh, it's a lot of graphics, very simple graphics, but very funny about Scottish football slash soccer for any of our American listeners. But it's very popular here. Um, Keith, who's behind that, is a big Bears fan. And he has decided to do some American football tweets. So he put a great one out last night. Uh, the picture of Fitzmagic next to Josh Rosen just added his own little highlights to that. I thought it was you. <laughs> My question, Cam, for the new season is, are you going to try and challenge Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard length? <laughs> I've got a long way to go. I don't know. Um, oh, possibly. Maybe, maybe by Christmas. Uh, I was going to say... As, as he throws Miami towards the Super Bowl, and you, you can... <laughs> Pay homage to him in your own unique fashion. Well, Do you know what? what? If it gets if it gets the dolphins yeah, looky to like the playoffs, mm. I will grow my beard as long as fits magic. There we go. You heard it here first. Brilliant. <laughs> first one of the season. That is fantastic. He's probably as safe as houses as well. But uh, yeah, it's great. But football tweets is it's a great little Twitter account. Well worth a follow. Some great little graphics here and there so yeah it's well worth a look absolutely and if all works out well he's going to be joining us on the podcast before the season starts as well so something else to look forward to but get on those twitter accounts make sure you give them a follow loads of content but now it's time to go on to our week one event and we're absolutely delighted to be able to confirm not one but two of the people that'll be making up the panel at the golf tavern who are our sponsors this season brilliant place go get along there during the festival as well loads going on but we've got two people lined up for it yeah i'm often asked in the street how can I meet Charles? Oh, <laughs> well, now's your chance. Now's your chance. Well, the other place to meet me is usually standing outside a football stadium in Glasgow. Ibrox. Yeah. Ibrox is a good spot. Yeah. Uh, not so much recently, but you never know. Things may change. But yes, I'm delighted to be coming along. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've been trying to spread the word. I think there, there could be a bit of trolling from the back of the room because I think there's a, there's a few people coming along. There's a, there's a particular... Bears fan who has promised to come along who happens to be my brother-in-law ah. which is going to be very awkward indeed um, and he is he's an avid watcher and we have a bit of um, a bit of banter here and there but he's actually going to the game at uh, at the Spurs stadium with his partner um, he's very much looking forward to it he's never been to one of the 
to one of the uh, the NFL London games before, so he's going to that. So this will be a nice warm up for him. And uh, we were actually on holiday uh, earlier on in the summer, and he was giving me plenty of <laughs> mild abuse <laughs> about uh, the Packers and their recent uh, run of form. So I'm sure uh, I'll have to be on top of my game that evening, but I'm looking forward to it. So we if I'm going to put myself on the line, I think that Charles needs to do this. And if the Bears beat the Packers in that Thursday night opener, surely you've got to stand up in front of the stage and say up front that the Bears are better than the Packers. Well, there's another meeting, you see. So I, I, I don't know. Oh, you, I don't think that would be very fair. To the point. <laughs> there might be there might be a really dodgy, um, offense. You know, a, a call due to video replay that isn't dealt with, I, which might have to be looked got, at. You've got my you know sympathies. What? I'm staring at Paul here right now. You, you've got my sympathies. What, what should happen if Chicago win? There's going to be a forfeit, surely. Yeah, yeah, I think you've got to stand outside Ibrox with a Chicago Bears jersey to do a link to camera. I think, to be honest, if I just sat up there with a Bears t-shirt on talking about the Packers, that would just look weird, so I could do that. <laughs> that but that we'll, we'll f I'll, I'll have a word with uh, with my brother-in-law and see if he can find something for me. And there's nothing about having a Bears t-shirt on outside Ibrox that's a threat. There the Bears <laughs> Everywhere, so <laughs> yes. yes, no, I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a. There's, there's a few weeks to sort out for that, but That'd yeah, only be that's not going to happen. Rumors, wouldn't it? That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, we've already made my case uh, this evening about why Green Bay are going to win the Super Bowl this year. So brilliant. So our second guest and traveling up from down south to join us, he has spent the first part of the year playing professionally in America within the Arena League. If you've listened to the podcast, you'll have heard some of the interviews that we've had with them but we're absolutely delighted that Cameron Craig who played for the Carolina Havoc in the arena leagues over there is going to be joining us it's going to be fascinating Paul to hear sort of face to face from him about his experience over there how it went down we're also going to maybe speak to him and get him to talk us through some X's and some O's about what are the important things that he had to do um, on that O-line what are the things he had to learn and he can hopefully share some of his experience with the guys there on the night yeah really looking forward to Cam joining us as well um just to get that chance to play professionally, you know, people have heard on the podcast the pathway that he's taken and how he's got on. But, you know, to have logged professional game time as mm. a professional athlete and a sport that is not native to your own country, tremendous. Do you know what I think will be really interesting for all the crowd coming along that evening will be to see a, a professional in the flesh and Thank maybe you. even get the chance to have a wee shove with him. See just, <laughs> just how good this guy is. And I'm, I'm thinking that, I mean, I'm a big, tall guy. I'm not particularly well built but I think that, that there should be some kind of opportunity to just see how good We've these just, guys are he's just tucked himself into a forfeit absolutely the bears there we go win. if the <laughs> bears if the bears win I will do a face off with Cam how about that there you go Cam right. gets a free hit yeah. brilliant brilliant bring a crash mat yeah <laughs> So yeah, for the, if you're not aware already, we have a week one live event at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh. It's all going to start off, uh, we shut the pub down, we clear it out basically from about half past three. We open the doors about four o'clock, we get everybody in, get everyone a drink, so we sit down, we kick it all off. We've got prizes already, they're just sitting to my right hand side, we've got a couple of shirts. Um, more details about that coming out uh, shortly about what we've got on the line but loads of prizes loads of stuff going on and at the end of it all you sit down with a large group of like-minded NFL fans watch some football watch some red zone have some beer have some great food uh, it's a great it's been a great night out so far every time yeah the food's outstanding by the way and the only thing that I will say is when we've been at these events because we've had two in Edinburgh the Saints are 0-2 and I'm no very happy about that so they've got to break their duck. And do we know who who's on the telly that night? We don't know yet. 
Not confirmation Not yet. Not confirmed yet. But based it will on, be soon. Yeah, based on how the golf have done it last year, um, we'll have a couple of the TVs for Red Zone, a couple of them with a the game on Sky, so you'll be able to see exactly what you want to see. So it should be an absolutely tremendous event. Do buy your tickets. We've actually had a whole load go already, which is great to see people snapping them up before we've even announced the guests. We still have one more guest to announce as well. That'll be coming up shortly. Um, it's a real tasty one as well. We we whiff a green and white about the, Absolutely. About the guests coming on. Saying no more. all we're saying. So, um, yes, do look out for all of that. And that concludes everything then for episode 60. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Again, though, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www www.facebook.com forward slash Scotland NFL. Thanks to Charles for coming along. Thanks to Tim for joining us as well. Thanks to everybody who's been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. The numbers continue to grow each and every week. Keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends. Continue to let us know what you think. Make sure that you get your tickets for our live event in Edinburgh. Check out our Twitter and Facebook for all of the details as we release them. As I said, we've already got some amazing prizes to give away and there's more on the way. Some additional prizes came back in my luggage from the States, much to my wife's chagrin, but they were there. We'll be giving them away soon. We'll be back next week as we look east in the next round of our pre-season previews. But until then, bye for now. 